everybody. I'm Josh. I'm Andrew. I'm Garrett. And I'm David. I love the delay, the slight delay there. When I, when I, when I start and then there's a slight delay yeah, while Andrew fair. decides if he's going to be the second person for the 400th time. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is so many sequels. Uh, welcome. That's right. Today on the show, we're continuing our trek into Muppet Land with Muppets Treasure Island. That's right. Is it Muppet or Muppets? Uh, it's uh, Muppet, Muppet Treasure it's, Island. It's singular Muppet Treasure Island. One okay. Muppet to rule them all. One Muppet to rule them all. So Muppet Treasure Island uh, came out in 1996 and um, is essentially an adaptation of the classic tale of Treasure Island. That's right. Um, this movie has um, Tim Curry in it as Long John Silver. Bill Connolly was a fun one. Billy Bones. Uh, Jennifer Saunders and Kevin Bishop all play the human characters. And then there's your favorite cast of Muppets. Uh, there's not a lot of introduction to do beyond that. Um, I think a lot of people are familiar with the Treasure Island story. Long John yes. Silver... The, the pirate treasure, all that good stuff. Yeah. So had any of us not seen this? Andrew. That is not true. Oh, this is one that you have seen. You said you yeah. had never seen a Muppet movie. Well, I mean. And then he so saw let like me tell two you, of them. Let me, let me tell you all something. Oh, God. I actually saw this in theaters a long, long time ago when it came out. Cool. And you were what, 30? <laughs> <laughs> Don't be, don't exaggerate, Josh. He was 19. <laughs> so you saw him up at Treasure Island in the theaters. Yeah. Which and theater? It was Eastland 4. Oh, Eastland Mall? Who would remember that? Yeah, no, uh, in Bartlesville, there was a... There was oh, a they also called, stole that name. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> there, was a, there, was a, there was a cinema called Eastland 4, and it was just four movie theaters, and it was, I think it was released during the summer. And my grandpa was watching after me, and I think I was like 11 at the time, because it was 1996, 10 or 11, and my grandpa wanted, wanted to take me to it, and I'm like, okay. So we went to that on a Sunday, on a, on a summer afternoon. I remember seeing it, I remember watching it, but I barely remember any of it. Yeah. He keeps just killing me. <laughs> uh, this... This is such a ridiculous story. Does that movie theater still exist? No. It closed? Yeah. Bummer. Is the yeah, facade still there? The facade <laughs> is still there. Like the building is still there. It just doesn't show any movies and it hasn't. When, when did it close? Uh, <laughs> I want to say 1998. Five or six years ago? Five or six years ago. Oh, so yeah, Andrew rolled his eyes like like he's never answered a question of such an obscure <laughs> I know. before. You're like, when did it close? And he's like, oh, gee. Why would I know I that? Go through my, <laughs> I go through my book. No. So it's just an empty movie theater sitting there. It is. Oh, I had okay. one of those for a while. Maybe, uh, maybe there needs to be a so many sequels movie theater. Why not? Yeah. Clearly nobody wants it. I bet it's cheap. Rent our own space, start playing movies. They They did play like, because they because they were playing like regular movies and then they started playing like dollar movies. Yeah. And then that we could do that. That, that was good till about 2011, 2012. And then they haven't played they haven't showed any movies since. All right. Okay, so, so you Muppet thought that Treasure was a story. 
We so we have all seen Muppet Treasure Island before That's this. Right. Um, had anyone seen it re- somewhat recently? Yeah, I watched it last year. Oh, you watched it last year. Okay, like so right after cool. right after Disney Plus came out, it was one of the movies I watched. Oh, okay, I don't really know why. It just was like, why not? I, I was like, oh, why not? Muppet Treasure Island. Why not? Yeah, I hadn't seen it in a super long time. I didn't really even remember most of it. What about you, Garrett? Um, I love this movie. Um, I've seen it many a time. Uh, My most vivid memory of it is uh, watching it at the lake where I I don't remember. We normally watch it. Well, we don't normally watch it, but it was on during the 4th of July when we were down there. Um, Last year. No, it was longer than that. It was like three years ago. So not super long. Um, But it's just fun. Just an enjoyable movie. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. I so, like that. I remember. I was gonna say my memories of it are watching it as a kid. My grandmother had this on VHS, and uh, so I would just watch it with my cousin and my brother, just all the time, over and over and over again, all the time. It was one of you know like a handful of VHS that she had. So uh, we uh, had various parts of the movie memorized. After a while, we would do our own little performances uh, along with the movie of Cabin Fever, and uh, oh, the song where they go sailing, and uh, you know. Uh, just it was a ton of fun when you're you know seven eight years old and it's still yeah. fun today yeah um so we we haven't we haven't covered all of the muppet movies but for our purposes this is the first muppet movie um where the muppets are not themselves they're playing mm-hmm. characters in the film this has yeah. happened previously in the, the the muppet christmas carol but we haven't That's covered right. that yet um but so this is significantly different than the last couple movies we did in the muppet movie and the muppets take manhattan uh they play themselves kind of on their typical uh quest for stardom but this is all that's gone and they're just playing characters in a movie which is which is a fun it's something different from muppets and it's pretty cool um but what I also thought was interesting about this one is that the humans are the main characters in in this Muppet movie, and in a lot of in in, in a lot of ways, uh, Muppets kind of are supporting supporting characters. So that was also very different. Yeah, because in Muppets Christmas Carol, you do have a main character who's a, a human actor in Michael Caine mm-hmm. as Ebenezer Scrooge, but all the other principal characters are Muppets and this, I guess they just couldn't figure out a way around, you know, do we make a Muppet be long John Silver? Do we make, I mean, they had actually originally had uh, Rizzo and Gonzo in the early version of the script, just playing two characters named Jim and Hawkins. Um, so they were going to be the main characters uh, or the main characters split into two roles. Um, but they just kind of found that it made things too confusing. Um, you know, which one of them was going to have this relationship with, Silver, which one was going to do this, which one was that. So they just ditched that and, and made Jim Hawkins a character and made put Gonzo and Rizzo in this spot of being his friends uh, and giving you kind of, you know, uh, and as it turned out, Gonzo and Rizzo were very popular after A Muppet Christmas Carol being the narrators of that movie. People thought they were hilarious. And so they kind of put them back in this main spotlight again. Um, so again, you have Kermit, who's kind of known as being sort of the leader Muppet, 
in a much more of a supporting role compared to uh, those other two. Um, and I think it works out pretty well here. This is our first time hearing Steve Whitmire as uh, Kermit. This is the, the second movie after uh, Jim Henson's death. Um, so there's a lot of, this is kind of, you know, in between, like of the movies they made in the 90s, this is right in the middle. So this is kind of, you know, the first, I feel like you could measure this against the other ones and say this is like where it was at the kind of the sweetest it could be in terms of the Muppets in the 90s. Personally, I prefer this version of the Muppets to the other two movies. Um, I like the idea of the Muppets, like they were basically themselves as different characters. Um, and I like that a little bit better, um, I think, overall. I like what I would prefer is what kind of what they did, where you have movies that are about the Muppets, and then you have movies with the Muppets. Um, I think that's a nice way to break things up, because like you always want to see what the Muppets are doing. I mean, even if the movie's not that great, uh, like last week. But those are still interesting stories because like what kind of things are they going to get into? But I don't think, I think that works better in a show format. That's why I always enjoy um, the Muppet shows, whatever they may be coming out with. Um, and then I like them just playing themselves. We know their character from the shows and older movies. Um, and so being able to portray them as Muppets, but also as other characters, I think adds a really fun dynamic and it just is a good, back and forth. Um, you can still be silly. You can still have that Muppet humor. Um, and like there's one line where uh, Billy Connolly's character, Billy Bones dies. And I can't remember if it was Gonzo or his Rizzo, but they go, is he dead? This is supposed to be a kid's movie. Like you can still do those things. And I yeah, think that's nice why they kept like a smart way to keep Gonzo and Rizzo as themselves to kind of let that humor happen but then you have Kermit and, and everybody else just playing other characters telling yeah. a story that people are familiar with is a very fun break from like any other Treasure Island movie you may have seen her version of it. Yeah, it's a very interesting way of, because like there's no other version I think you could really say of this. They're the characters from the book sort of filtered through Muppet personalities. Because mm -hmm. it's very much Kermit the Frog. Yeah. But it's also a version of Kermit that, He's never not really done since, you know, and it's definitely Miss Piggy, but she's also doing things that are saying some things that aren't exactly Miss Piggy. So, I mean, like there are things about it where it's there's they're the Muppets, but they're also very, they're also unique versions of the Muppets. That's the Muppets acting. Uh, so it's very, it's, it's interesting in that sense. I, I will say that's what I actually found this very enjoyable. I, I would say I, I would kind of second the notion that this is actually this is actually better than the, than the other two that we've watched. It's definitely better than the last one. Like I was, cause like, cause like in the beginning, you're just thinking, well, this is just another Muppets take on whatever. And they're just, and, and they're, it, it's just, it's just like the Muppets being the Muppets, but no, it's, it, it's, it goes a little bit more than that. And they're actually, there's a plot structure here that they're following. And yeah, I mean, they do have some goofy things in the way because, you know, it wouldn't be the Muppets. It wouldn't be the Muppets if it wasn't just a tiny bit goofy. Yeah. But like, um, no, it was actually fairly enjoyable. 
I I just barely. No, I said fairly. I know. Why are yeah. you saying it was fairly enjoyable? Because I because it is fairly fun. enjoyable. That's not a compliment. It's enjoyable. Fairly enjoyable takes away from the enjoyableness of it. Well, it's fairly enjoyable. It's fairly enjoyable. <laughs> Hashtag. Um, no, but it was like I just remember thinking like it, like whenever I whenever I got done with it, I'm like that was actually better than I thought it was going to be, and it was. It was. I, I always, I always like Tim Curry. Whenever Tim Curry's in in anything, Tim Curry is kind of a standout. And it didn't have, it didn't have a lot of the antics as it normally would have. I feel like, I feel like some of them were kind of played down. Now, definitely with the, the the comic relief was definitely with the rats. Yeah. Because having the rats like on vacation. That was actually really, that was actually funny. Like that was that was actually funny what they were doing in between. So, you know, they'd be scuba diving or they'd be jet skiing or whatever. And See, I, go ahead. I was gonna say, and I think uh, a big aspect of the funny here just came from all of the new little supporting characters that they made. All the pirates. Uh, I love like Clueless Morgan. Oh yeah, he's uh, my favorite new Muppet. Just uh, bruh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's his. Uh, what is he? Uh, he says when uh, when somebody when you know, when they they tear the. Oh gosh, I can't remember. But they're really funny. That little grouping, that little group of three. Yeah. Uh, one of I'm just going to put this out there. We've not made this list. Uh, if Josh, if you can ever uh, swing us on to bracketology, uh, we have to have a bracketology of best Muppet jokes, and one of them has to be the entire roll call scene. Oh my God, that was so good. <laughs> old Tom. Really old Tom. Dead Tom. Uh, headless know, whatever. That was really headless, funny. Headless, headless. Ugly, bug eating, something, headless. something. And it's really attractive woman. Like, oh my God, it was really funny. Angel Marie. Hi. Yeah, it was. Uh, I laugh so hard every time. Every time. And when, when she goes, I baby baby uh baby eating O'Brien when she's I yeah. and Sam Eagle and Kermit just <laughs> uh, and then my one of my other favorite parts is when uh just after that Kermit yells or you know Captain Smollett Kermit yells at all of them and he's like who hired this crew right and he's like really angry at him and they all point to to Fozzie and he points to his finger that wasn't me. It was the guy who lived in my finger. <laughs> Mr. Pimple's the man who lives in my finger. Yeah, I, uh, I would like to see more notable stories filtered through a Muppet filter. That was the uh, plan. Because the way that I see it, I'm, I'm hearing feedback. Is that just on me? Uh, the way that it would have gone if it was just a... Muppet movie, they would have been like rowing a boat, and then some guy would have been like, Hey, you captain a ship, and he'd go, Oh, yeah, that's a great idea. And it would have just been stupid. What is the sales? All this bull. No, yeah, this is an actual story that they can tell. And it started with a Muppets Christmas Carol, just like, Hey, what if we just adapted this movie, but with the Muppets? And it was a genius idea. I think most people consider uh, Muppet Christmas Carol to be the better of these two movies because they only did two really of this, these adaptation style films. 
Um, and I, I, if you want to make that argument, I think that's fine. I, I, I really enjoy this one for very specific reasons, but, um, the plan was like when, when Muppet Christmas Carol was so successful, they were like, Hey, we could do this for like years. It's really strange to me that they only ended up deciding to do just this one. This is the only other one they did because after this, they didn't do any more other than a direct DVD wizard of Oz adaptation. But like they had like the plan initially was after Muppet Christmas Carol, they came down with two story ideas. They were either going to do treasure Island or they were going to do King Arthur. And I was like, both of those work, but either of those could have worked just fine. Um, I was kind of shocked that they never decided to pursue the King Arthur uh, idea or why they never really pursued anything else. Uh, I don't know if it was just too much work, if this movie didn't make enough for them to think it was worth it. I don't know, because the next movie after this is exactly what you're talking about, Garrett. It's the Muppets being kind of like real people again, living in a house, doing their own thing, um, and it didn't do very well. Which is the one that came after this? Uh, Muppets from Space. Ah, right, 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 okay. Yeah, that's yeah. that's one that I've never seen. And unfortunately, Muppets from Space. I'm gonna watch it probably uh, anyway, even though we're gonna uh, we'll, we'll we're gonna skip it as a, as the series as part of the series. But uh, it's the only movie that prominently features my favorite Muppet, Pepe the King Prawn. Uh, <laughs> uh, he's hilarious in it. Fair enough. Pretty good. Anyway, anyway. So uh, what did Josh? I don't feel like you really gotten to speak at length. No, no, and I'll be real. I don't feel like I have a lot to say. Um, I thought this movie was good. Um, It just is good. (laughs) I don't have a lot of, I don't have like any memories tied to it. Uh, I liked it. I didn't think it was one of the funnier ones, but I do think it was, I think it had, probably the best music of all the ones we've watched so far Mm -hmm. and it was the most interesting story but i think i came out going like yeah i'm a 30 year old man watching a children's movie (laughs) it's it's perfectly good and i don't have a lot to say about it no there's not really much not much along the lines of detraction garrett how was the movie you rewrote in your head Oh, I don't need to rewrite this one. This one's perfect. Oh, good, good. Um, I do have, if I'm going to, to offer one critique, if I could offer one. More I feel like, great. you know, the thing about Treasure Island is that it's a, it's, a, it's a book, a story that's been adapted no less than 50 times, like on TV and, movie, in TV and film. Um, countless versions, sci-fi versions, Western versions, uh, uh, anime versions, you name it. Right. So... If you want this type of movie that I'm going to describe, it's out there probably. Um, but I kind of feel like in this version, I feel like they could have given a little bit more weight to the relationship between Long John Silver and Jim Hawkins because they make the same decisions that they almost always make, which is Long John Silver develops an attachment for Jim, saves him, and then later Jim, spoiler, uh, lets Long John go, like lets him escape. And I feel like I, this movie didn't really establish that connection as well as I've seen it done in other movies. I, I agree because like, uh, cause long, I felt like that there was, there was a, a good character development there, 
between between Long John Silver and Jim. And and yeah, there was like there was gaps where we saw other things happening and they just never developed. So I'm like, well, I wonder where I wonder if maybe that could have blossomed into something else. You know, that could have like made, you know, like if, if it could have developed and maybe just kind of deepened it a little bit. I mean, I know it's a puppet movie, but oh, yeah, yeah. A little character development doesn't hurt any movie. Absolutely. And, and it's it's there, but it's it's almost I feel like it's just it's too subtle. Like I, I feel like they really could have given us a few more moments where you actually start to see Long John actually care and then have to fight caring. Um, but I, th- I feel like, unfortunately, the way that it plays through the movie is that it always appears like he's playing an angle. Like it never, it, it very few times seems like he's actually like letting his guard down and caring about Jim. Um, right. And I feel like that's an important ca- aspect of the movie. And, I, and I've just seen it done better, I think. Um, but that said... The movie's wildly entertaining for me from start to finish, so I, I, I can't really knock it too bad. No. If, if I had a note to change something, it would be, and I don't think this will surprise anyone, nor will I think you'll necessarily disagree with me. I know where you're but going. But it, t- it takes so long for it to happen that I feel like we didn't need it. What if Miss Piggy didn't show up? <laughs> Ever. Yeah, is it? She doesn't come around for an awfully long time, and I'm like, you know, we could have just kept going without her. Well, they really had to. They really had to, you know, work overtime just to get her in this movie because there it are seemed really, like it. Her her no, whole plotline seemed a little forced. There are no real prominent female characters in the book Treasure Island. Um, sure. Boom Shakalaka's not in Treasure Island. No, well, the character Boom ben, Shakalaka. Sorry, the, the character uh, Ben Gunn. Um, who, who she's based on is she and it's, this, and it's the same character for the most part he's a hermit who is a part of captain flint's crew who was left behind so that's why he knows all the secrets but they change it to benjamina and uh make it you know flint's ex-girlfriend or whatever so that they can work piggy in and actually as far like the thing is um miss piggy's one of those characters that when i see her the phrase small doses comes to mind and yes. this was the appropriate amount of dose for Miss Piggy because she came in with like, I don't know, 40 minutes left in the movie, 35 minutes left in the movie. You get a couple high yas, you get a couple funny, you know, funny, funny Francophile jokes. And, and one sappy bad song. And then one sappy bad song and yeah, and you're out, you know? And, uh, and that was, that was just the right amount of Miss Piggy for me because if she was in this whole movie, it would probably, yeah, you'd be like, you going on about something else again here i missed this too because i i I just didn't see it in the credits but i'm i'm now seeing that the the music in this movie was done by hans zimmer yeah the score of 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 pirates of the caribbean and every christopher nolan movie this would not be his last (laughs) this would not be his last pirate movie no No, is it his first pirate movie uh maybe it probably is (laughs) This Probably, is a, yeah. He did the score, and then uh, a couple other uh, prominent songwriters did the the the, the musical numbers. Um, and uh, I actually watched the behind the, the making of for this, and Hans Zimmer said that with the Muppets, he his view. It's always fascinating to listen to to, to composers talk about movies because they talk because they they look at it from such a different perspective than I I would. But he goes with the Muppets. I think you need to have a very traditional score because you need that to contrast how zany they are. <laughs> so it, the music needs to not stand out. 
in the way you want, in the way that you normally would try so that they stand out. And I was like, Mm-hmm. that's not what i would have thought i would have thought you'd be like it's a muppet so i want to have like a score that really like matches their intensity Benny but Hill. if you listen it's a it's a good like uh, it's out there you can just listen to just the score and it's very piratey it's very like you can tell that like there's a it's sort of a precursor to the pirates of the caribbean theme now now that i have found myself in hans zimmer's uh filmography i'm i'm Did you I'm, know? Su- I'm surprised by a lot of the movies he's done um for example, uh, on his upcoming slate, he's he's composing the music for the new Space Jam movie. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's crazy about Hans Zimmer? He's only won one Academy Award. He's all over the place, in, in, and I mean that in a good way. Like, he also, this year, this year alone, he's doing the SpongeBob movie, Sponge on the Run. Great. Uh, Wonder Woman 1984. No Time Great. to Die. Great. Dune. And a few others, but those are the oh the big ones. But that what a what did, a wide uh, range of films that is. He did the theme for Hot Rod. <laughs> uh, did he? Yeah, I'm he, the, the score for it, I should say. From what I've from what I've learned, from what I've gathered about Hans Zimmer, he doesn't use a regular orchestra. He he's, he uses synthesizers. That's he right. Drum beats. Mouth. Yeah, <laughs> but like he like. Is, Whenever he did the score for, uh, whenever he did the score for the Dark Knight, like the entirety of the Dark Knight, it's recorded in it's recorded in notes D and C. That's cool. I think I think that's really cool. We've hit just, weird facts now. I mean, I'm just saying, <laughs> but like, but My yeah, notes like, were puppet Muppets Treasure Island scored played in M U P P E N T. Um, Andrew, can you name the one movie that Hans Zimmer won an Academy Award for? The Lion King. That's right. That's right. No, that I think with as many movies as he's done, he would have been he would he's he's only been nominated for a couple, like eight. Yeah. It is kind of surprising. Um I figured he would get one. He, for... he is one of the big names in film score, so and then uh, this movie was actually directed by uh, Jim Henson's son, Brian Henson. This was his second time directing. Um, and I think he only did one more after this um, before it went on to other people. But uh, I thought it was, I thought overall, I think the movie looks good too. It's a good, it's got good production value. Everything looks the way it should. Um, I think it still holds up really well. I was thinking yeah. about watching it. I was like, everything looks really good still. Yeah, it helps that Treasure Island is kind of a, a timeless tale. So right. it, it doesn't feel dated in that regard because pirate movies are kind of always dated in that way. And then, yeah, the Muppet, Muppet effects always are pretty pretty good. Yeah, and they, did some, they had some, some extra work to do because, I mean, anytime you do stuff where you're shooting primarily on a ship, if you're going to do like those ship-in-the-water shots, it's tough. That's true, and and they had a series of miniatures too. So there's a couple piggy piggy related special effects moments that it it looks so strange to me to see her and Kermit hanging upside down because yeah. you just don't see Muppet legs very often. Yeah, not that. Uh, long. So that that was kind of strange. And then I I should have brought this up last week because I meant to, but <laughs> what really what really disturbed me was when they had clearly put like a human being in a full piggy costume and had her rollerblade through a park. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that, that was, yeah. was disturbing. 
It's <laughs> <laughs> really weird to look at. It was really weird to look at, but uh, they do that in the Great Muppet Caper too. They have a so, person put on a piggy mask and ride a motorcycle, and it was just as off-putting in that scenario. Yeah, the Muppet effects only get uh, questionable to me when they show us the full body because sometimes it's sometimes it's a little too much. Yeah, and this was a really you know, and there were some really impressive little effects here. They had this shot of like Kermit hopping like multiple times, like he's doing mm-hmm. front flips during a sword fight. That was really cool. Um, some of the shots of the of the of the ship is like a miniature ship on a blue screen with like a little thing that like moves it and they actually built small like like the size of this phone miniature muppets that they could control to move around on the on the little ship for like these like shots to give it like that kind of perspective like it's an impress like it it can't be overstated i feel like how much work goes into this and it can sometimes it can feel like they're just playing around yeah. But it, it's a tremendous amount of work, and it really you got to give the, the Jim Henson uh, Productions credit. Yeah, I was particularly impressed by the opening number. Yeah, like oh the uh, the scary pirate song. Yeah, when the scary pirate song, whenever we see like dun, 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 dun. All, all of the all of the talking, uh, all of the talking like, stone heads. Yeah, I I I, re- I thought I thought that was really cool. I'm like, wow, this is actually. They, they kind of went above and beyond for this. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, uh, any other favorite parts? I just want to talk about Tim Curry. Oh, Tim Curry is great. Always fantastic. Always great. Um, I want to say, so when I, I feel like people think of Tim Curry for like four or five different things. And usually when I think of Tim Curry, it's Clue. Clue Tim Curry. What does everyone think of when they think of Tim Curry? I'm curious now. What's everyone's what? What Tim Curry do you associate with most? Oh, I guess this is going to be the dumbest answer that's going to be given. So I'll save it, Andrew. Oh man, yeah, Andrew. Who's your Tim Curry? My Tim, my Tim Curry. It's a tough one because there's two. Only pick one. I know. And then tell us who the second one is. Okay, the first one, that when, when you hear Tim Curry, the first thing I think of is um, Home Alone 2. He's so, he's so brief in that. But so brief right. You know what? No, I'm with Andrew on that. That's the Tim you're Curry right. I think of every time. Yeah, but the other thing I was thinking of, and I don't know if you all remember this, uh, the movie Congo. He played Now that's a, weird. He, he, yeah, he played he played a foreign immigrant named Herker Murphy Mulga. I'm really glad I asked this question. Why do we have this man on the show? All right, <laughs> because Congo's he has very, a wider breadth of film knowledge than us. Look, Con- he just pulled that out, is clearly not a Congo. Congo's a very, that's not Congo's a good thing. a very successful film, I think. It was a very successful film. It made. I think it was nominated film. for best picture. Do not justify this. No, this is uh, unacceptable. I've never seen it, but. Sounds like a blast. So, for me, I'm glad that none of us said it. For me, it's 1993's Three Musketeers. Okay. Has anybody ever seen that? Yep. What yes. was it Starring uh, Charlie Sheen, Oliver Platt, Keith Sullivan. Keith none Sutherland. of us picked the obvious Tim Curry's, and that's amazing. And uh, Chris O'Donnell. Um, he plays the bad guy in that. 
and it was the first thing I saw him in, and it had that he had that classic voice, that nah nah voice. Um, my wife, she uh, she sent me hers. It's Fern Gully. Mm, yes, <laughs> another good Bad one. Guy in Fern Gully. Yeah, yeah. Fern creepy Gully. as heck in that. He's, yeah, yeah, he scared me. Him, Rob Williams, that's a good lineup. Yeah, that's a good movie. I like Fern Gully. But I, I even though I think of Clue, Tim Curry, um, because I. This is one of my all-time favorite movies. But I'm pretty sure that this version of Tim Curry is the one that I was first introduced to. I imagine that I saw Muppets Treasure Island before I saw Clue. Uh, I can't be confident in that. Um, but I, I now always forget that he's in it. And it's always a nice little pleasant surprise whenever I remember. It's usually not when I see him. It's like before I watch it. But it's always just a treat whenever Tim Curry shows up in any movie. And he clearly commands your attention if you can remember him from random ass movies that y'all said. <laughs> yeah. No, for he does. being in there for maybe a total of five minutes. I don't know how long he's in Three Musketeers, but he is not in that oh, movie. He's Home Alone 2 for more than a total of five minutes. That is not even close to true, you guys. He is one of the main protagonists of the hotel plot. Protagonist? But you put his on screen time. Or antagonist. I antagonist. I bet if you put his on screen time on a timer, it's five minutes worth. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. But it's you five can. minutes that you remember him being in. Well executed. Five saying. minutes. Um, uh, I was going to say, oh, shoot. It's, he has a super iconic voice. Like, it's a very distinct voice, very recognizable. I think that's one of the parts, part of the reason he stands out so much in any role that he's had. Um, you know, interestingly enough, this is a little Batman fact I know. I don't know how far it actually got along, but he auditioned to play the Joker in the animated series uh, that mm. in which Mark Hamill played the Joker. So it was between like Mark Hamill and Tim Curry. Like, well, either way, you got a pretty good you got a pretty good. And, and I think there's actually audio somewhere you can find of Tim Curry doing lines for it. But it's uh, an interesting what an interesting uh, alternate universe. Um, he does a lot of voice work. He's done a lot of Nickelodeon stuff too. I mean, he was Nigel from the Wild Thornberries. He was in a few episodes of Our Monsters as supporting characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was in the Rugrats movie, so he does a lot of Nickelodeon stuff. And uh, yeah, but that, I mean, I, yeah. Outside of that, I don't really have much else to say about the movie. I just want to make sure we got the Tim Curry time. <laughs> which is a show that i would watch tim curry if you're listening <laughs> yeah. i don't think he does um, much anymore not really do we want he's to 1946 he's an older guy now he's well good. i don't think i mean he's nowhere near andrew yeah. but <laughs> no what happened to him was and i hate to bring the house down he actually had a stroke a few right. years and right. he can't walk and he can't talk yeah so that's not totally true. He was in the Fox version of Rocky Horror Picture Show. He can talk, just not well. Just like yeah. it's one of the side effects of having a stroke for a lot of people. I think he's slowing it down. His last credited film role was in 2017. So I don't know if he's just taking time off or if he's he's getting to the point of retirement. But this is actually this is going to sound weird. This is like not. I, I'd have to really look at this again. But this is one of his last live action film roles. Um. Yeah. He's in, in a lot of movies as a voice and as a vocal character uh, in terms of films, but like he hasn't done a lot of live action film appearances. He's been on TV a couple times since then. 
most I think the most prominent one recently was uh, like the season five or season six finale of Criminal Minds. But um, you have to go back to site like 2005 or 2004 to find his last live action film appearance. Whoa, um, a lot of voiceover work, a lot of film, even the even the movies he's in playing a voice or uh, used as a voice. Um, yeah, it's hard to say. But uh, do we want to talk about the young boy playing Jim Hawkins at all? I don't even know who that is. I yeah, found he, out today that he that plays career. he plays the speaking speaking role of one of the uh, fictional band members of Gorillas. Hmm, fascinating. Yep. Yeah, he's he's got a little career over there. I, that sounds so uh, so so uh, patronizing. But uh, over in England, he has like his own show and. Uh, uh, leather, you know, he's done a couple of different roles on British television. So it's not like he, it's not like the, it's not like some actors where like they, they do a movie when they're like seven years old and then they never do anything ever again. Um, he's, he's got, he's got some stuff going on. Uh, has to be, if there's, if there's a real, uh, like a real, a real detraction for me or something that I, I, I just can't ignore, it's the singing voice for him, for his character. I don't know if it's actually him singing or somebody they brought in, but it's so, high and light it it's distracting yeah, yeah. it is very high it's like way too much i i can recall i think even in the there's one thing i recall seeing it in movie theater in the movie theater i really didn't like his songs and i yeah. just thought they were just kind of off-putting like they didn't sound right yeah so it sounds maybe that's why that's part of the problem it, it, it's like one of the few things that sounds dubbed yeah. Speaking of dubbing, an interesting little sub, little like production fact that I, I forgot I looked up. Um, Frank Oz, who plays Miss Piggy, plays uh, Fozzie, uh, didn't actually do, operate those characters for this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, Kevin Clash, uh, well known for playing Elmo, he was the puppeteer for Fozzie and uh, and Miss Piggy in this movie, and uh, Frank Oz dubbed his voice in in post um so one of the few times that technically one of the main muppeteer cast didn't play their character on set um so interesting how that kind of plays out because i don't feel like you can i don't it's not something that feels like you notice um and so it kind of begs the question why they ever bother having them play them all the time but they love doing those live appearances and it has to be the right character when they do those interviews and those special appearances at things you have to have that character right. So like, that's why they do it so much, but like, they don't have to have, like they just have anybody do the puppeteering and I'll just dub the voices in. Interesting. Yep. Not that interesting, but interesting. (laughs) Yeah. Not that interesting. Um, all right. Well, shall we move on to talking about the Muppet treasure Island box office hall? Yeah. Yeah. We'll talk about it. What there is. Um, so, uh, Muppet Treasure Island is, um, let's see, one, two, three, four, five. It's the fifth Muppet movie. Debuted in, uh, February 16th of 1996. 1996, a good year. We were there not too long ago. We'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, the weekend it debuted, pretty hotly contested weekend. Um, so opening or in, uh, in its second week, you have the movie and I'm sure that uh, Andrew's familiar with this movie, Broken Arrow. Yep. 
Broken Arrow, starring John Travolta, John Travolta. and uh, Christian Slater. I, I can't do Christian Slater. Um, and uh, uh, directed by John Woo. Yeah, yeah. Andrew, do you like Broken Arrow? Is that a movie that you uh, you like to watch? I I really liked that movie growing up. Unfortunately, and... not named after the town near Tulsa. Um, <laughs> instead, some other thing. Uh, but, uh, but no, it, I I like that movie growing up. I love John Woo movies. So, so uh, uh, so that was in its second weekend, bringing in eleven million dollars. Uh, at number two, you had one of three movies that opened this weekend. It's Happy Gilmore, bringing eight point five million. At number three, Muppet Treasure Island, bringing in 7.9. So just under. Man, if Happy Gilmore hadn't opened up against it, probably the number two movie that weekend. And then at number three, or excuse me, number four, you have a movie called City Hall. I don't know much about this one. Andrew probably does. Uh, He probably saw this with Muppet Treasure Island as a double feature. Uh, City Hall brought in 6.9. And then at number eight, you have Mr. Holland's Opus. Wow. Excuse me, at number five in its eighth week. That's a good movie. Um, and then, uh, that's really, that's really about it for that. So, um, cool. Muppet Treasure Island would go on to make $34 million in the United States. It didn't release internationally. So this is just here in America and Canada, uh, maybe Mexico's included in this number, $34 million. And that's not, uh, that's against a $31 million budget. So, Hey, made the budget back, not a huge box office, uh, uh, success, but made back what it costs. So that's, that's, um, good. You would think at $34 million, that would be a really, really distant finish at the domestic box office. But interestingly enough, it actually finished, I believe, in the number 44 spot. Um, yeah, grosses are different back then. Than they were, than yeah. They were. 44, it, it finished at number 44, just behind a thin line between love and hate. Right <laughs> above number 1996 is Matilda. Uh, the wow. number one movie of 1996 is Independence Day bring in $306 million in the United States. Number two is Twister. Number three, Mission Impossible. Number four, uh, Show Me the Money, Jerry Maguire. And at number five, a movie that I, Andrew will tell us more about, Ransom. Not a bad he doesn't place. need to tell us more about it. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Mel Gibson. Um, internationally, the numbers are almost identical. The only thing different is uh, number four, you have The Rock. That's right, just Dwayne Johnson by himself. Um, no, I'm, I'm just kidding. It's actually Michael Bay's, I think, directorial debut. Um, his his best movie. Uh, it without a doubt his best movie in terms of yeah. it being a movie. Uh, and it then number a- five, Disney's Hunchback of Notre Dame. So Excellent. then uh, we've been in 1996 before. Uh, obviously, we did Mission Impossible. We were just there not long ago for Star Trek: First Contact. Mm-hmm, check mm-hmm, out our mm-hmm, star trek mm-hmm. series that we mm-hmm. just did go back and check out mission impossible i'm not in that so for, for for fans of the show it's a bit of a hit but um at number um uh, at 34 million at 34 million and adjusted muppet treasure island is the fourth highest grossing muppet movie um and we will talk about uh the highest grossing one next week yeah. but uh, for now let me pull up my little numbers here, unless you guys remember. Um, I think Garrett won last week, right? Should be me. Yeah, Garrett, you won the letterbox game last week, so Garrett runs the game this week. Uh, Yay! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the letterbox game. This is where 
the film community weighs in on uh, what they believe this movie is. And the point don't matter. Okay, thank you for that. Um, you guys are gonna guess what you think the score is for Letterboxd. So whoever wants to jump in, it's on a scale of half a star to five stars. All right. How do we? How are we gonna pick who goes first? You want to just shout it out? Sure. I'm gonna say three point six. Three point mm. six for David. I'm gonna go with three point three. Three point three for Andrew. Three point three point four. Three point four for Drush. We do have an exact winner. One of you is exactly right, as Bob Barker would say. Come on down. You'd already be down. Thank you. <laughs> if you know how price right works. Nah, I'm not. I don't watch prices right. Well, you should. It's good. Uh, 3.4, Josh, is the winner. And I'd do it again. You do not need Josh to win. <laughs> Too bad. <laughs> Uh, okay, so then uh, where, where what is what are our personal rankings for this movie? Uh, since I won, I'll start. Um, I think it's a three and a half. I think I I think Letterbox is pretty right. I go with that three and a half. Yeah, I'm gonna give it a three. Yeah, I'll give it a three and a half. I, I really thought I could push it to a four, but now you know what's wrong a, with three and a half. I'll give it a four. It's, okay. it's, I really enjoy it. I, too, will go with 3.5. Cool. That'll drag us up to like a 3.7. Yeah, where it will, it will be um, right, kind of right in the middle there. Yeah, and you guys, there are more 3.5. You can, uh, so, yeah, so, so, so a three and a half from the So Many Sequels gang. Yeah, yep, that's what it's going to be. Okay, so that, that ends that. Um, like David said a couple minutes ago, we will be talking about the highest grossing Muppet movie next week. Um, and also, the first Muppet movie to win an Oscar. Brett McKenzie. The Muppets from 2011. The uh, kind of the big, the big Muppets film reboot. Uh, yes, starring Jason Siegel, written Co-written by Jason Siegel, And starring uh, literally everyone you love is in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone anyone could love. So yeah, I'm, uh, I'm quite excited to revisit it. It's weird to think that this was the mo- big movie that brought the Muppets back, and it's nine years old now. Wow. 2011 is where we're traveling next time. So, uh, so, so I, is this, is this our last Muppets movie? This will be our last Muppets movie. We won't do yeah. Muppets Most Wanted, but by all means, please watch it anyway because you'll have a ton of fun. Uh, I tried to keep it to just four. So the goal was to hit one in, in a different decade with each one. Yeah. So we had the 70s, 80s, 90s. 2000s there was no muppet movie so tw- the 2010s it is Damn. you can't ju- you can't go oh well, muppets are muppets most wanted you got to do muppets you got to do muppets it's the, the better one started one anyway. it. although i will say if you want if you don't want to watch the full muppets most wanted movie just watch the opening number and it'll make you want to watch the rest of it okay it's Fair a really good opening number all right well everyone is looking forward to hearing us talk about the muppets i'm sure yep uh and then of course finding out what we're going to do next so find us online on all your favorite social medias instagram twitter facebook letterboxd mm-hmm. on all of those follow us subscribe to our youtube channel and of course subscribe 
to our podcast feed in your favorite podcasting app, be it Spotify, be it Apple Podcasts, be it some other weird app that you might use if you don't use one of the two mm-hmm. only ones. Soundstooth, maybe. Soundstooth is a good one. Yeah. We like Castbox. We're on all of them. Sure. You could have made that one up and I wouldn't know. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll see y'all next time. Uh, have a Muppet weekend.